Live to tape. Welcome. Welcome to Live to Tape. This is a special retrofitted episode. Please enjoy this song before we get started by Charlie McGeary. I made that song, but I didn't. That was a song by an amazing artist named Charlie McGeera, and that's from uh, an album he put out uh, a couple years ago on a label called Guitars and Bongos out of Oakland. That's uh, Charlie McGeera and the Modern Dance Club. The album is called Love Police, and that's a song called Je ne parle, je ne parle pas français. Je ne parle, je ne parle, je, je, je ne parle pas. It means I don't speak French. That's what it means. Which is a more funny way to say you don't speak French by saying it in French. Today's episode is not a normal episode. What is going on here is that the music I just played for you is an artist uh, named Charlie McGuire, like I said. An amazing artist, amazing musician uh, from Israel. I first became aware of him probably about maybe five or six years ago. I can't remember how. I mean, I do remember exactly how. I was in the kitchen and I lived in this tiny shoebox of a house with Brit and she was listening she was at her computer her her uh, little her workstation her desk where she does drawings and stuff and she had Pandora on or maybe it was Spotify I don't know what it was but it was one of those one of those things probably Pandora she's a Pandora girl I'm a Spotify guy and she had it on she likes a lot of the uh, stuff from the 80s like the cramps, that that vein of things. She probably had it on cramps radio, I'm, I think. Maybe something like that. And this artist came up, and she's like, you got to hear this. And I go over there, and I listen to this guy, Charlie McGuire, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, when it, I've, haven't, I've never heard of this guy. Lo and behold, this is new. It's new music. And I just couldn't believe it because basically it was this sound that I love more than anything, this mixture of rockabilly and uh, no wave, and it's just—I mean, I, that's the best way to describe it: is rockabilly, no wave, and maybe alternative music from the '90s, even because there's definitely—it's just like this perfect storm of uh, of sound that uh, you, I've never—I've honestly never heard anyone do what he what he did. And uh, I mean, well, here, I mean, here I'll get to the point exactly. The the point here. Is Charlie is no longer with us. He passed away uh, around this time of year in November of 2006. So about about a year about a year and a month ago, 
And uh, I found out about it through his um, dear friend and producer and the the man who runs the Guitars and Bongos label, Iran Yarkin. He a uh, wonderful man. He he posted something I think on Instagram that alluded to the fact that Charlie had died uh, about six months ago, six months previous to when, to the the post. And I I texted him right away. I was like, "What's going on here?" Uh, and you just couldn't believe it, you know, because I hadn't obviously hadn't heard from Charlie in a while. Uh, long story short, I had him on the old podcast, so that's that's what I'm that's how I know him and everything like that. Had him on the old podcast, and uh, Iran set that whole set that whole thing up. And I talked to Iran about it. Um, we exchanged, you know, some lengthy texts and whatnot, and. Uh, yeah, it was just dev- really devastating news. I mean, people die all the time, especially celebrities. It's it's just it's just how what happens, right? But um, there's this was the first time for me that I'd had someone who I discovered, whose music I discovered and really spoke to me in a way that it's just in a very special way, and a way that um, I really I can't just I can only just try to describe just how much I love what he does with music and sound and to 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 discover that person to meet him to interview him have him on the podcast to and to have a wonderful experience of that and to see him live multiple times and then to find out that he died um and he's not a, he's just an old person he's he's probably about my age maybe younger you know mid 30s something like that it's just uh it's it was really devastating because it's just that thing where I always feel like the music I like the best is the music from the people I know the best, um, which sometimes is because the music is so good, you feel like you know the person who's creating it. But also there's times where just a simple, dumb little ditty from some person you know who who's your friend is so impactful musically because... I don't know. There's something about it. I can't describe. I I don't know what it is, but I mean, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. It's the same reason people still listen to radio. It's because there's this, there's this like symbiosis. There's like a uh, a relationship there because you're both in the moment. So there's something about hearing music from someone you know that just really makes it hit in a way that other stuff doesn't. Because there's there's like a familiarity, and it just makes it just enriches the entire listening experience. At least for I mean, for me, it really does. Like hundred percent. So, yeah, it was really, really hard to hear that that he had died. Uh, it's just so was so sad because, ugh, there's, there's no, there's no two, there's no way to say it other than it just was. It really hit home. Just it, as impactful as his music was to me, was as sad and devastating was the news of his death. So, um, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I wanted to replay that interview I did with him on Twisting the Wind just because uh, you know that that podcast is old and most of you so I mean I'm sure a lot of you have heard it but I just wanted to bring it up again because Charlie was such a wonderful person and uh, I just wanted really wanted to to highlight him again and to, to get his get his music and his voice and all that stuff out there He's survived by a lot of great musicians, and they were on the podcast with me. And that whole scene is still thriving. Iran is still putting out records, and uh, I mean, it's it's not dead. Obviously, that's the great. That's the thing about when a recording artist dies. That I feel like people, we obviously have to grieve for a loss, and 
it's devastating and tragic and immensely sad. But when you step back and look at it, when you have the lens of time, you realize that when a recording artist dies, it's the it's the least of the sad of sad deaths, I guess you could say, because because we have we have I can still listen to all of his music. I can still listen to all of it. I can play it loud as fucking shit and do whatever I want and and enjoy it. So it has he just has this amazing legacy. There's a lot of people who don't have that legacy. Who, um, yeah, there's just there's that legacy that I love. So it's so sad because we'll, we will not, we'll never hear what Charlie would have done, what what amazing new music he would have produced. But we do have an amazing catalog to listen to and enjoy. And so that I'm very thankful for. And so that's why I'm presenting this not as like this depressing, mournful memorial. It's more of a I want to just celebrate what a what a cool guy this was what a what a special amazing interesting person this was and how how he is an example of someone who um he lived life very he lived a, he lived a lot of life there was a lot there he was very honest he was very uh I was trying to. Th- I was trying to think about. It's really hard for me to to talk about this because it's something where it's really hard to put into context. But I feel like, hear me out here, because I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound bad. It's gonna sound like, I don't know, whatever. It's gonna sound disrespectful or something. But if you have a if you have a dog, if you have a pet animal that you love, like I know I have a, I have a dog, Rabbit. She's about about to turn five years old. I know she's not gonna live past fourteen probably, just because she's a big dog. And that's just what happens. Dogs don't live as long as people. We know that. But when you have a dog like that, that you really love and is a part of your life, they they live in a way that is not like a human. They have like a, there's a richness to their soul that gives you so much. There's just so much there, so much substantive soul and love and all that. This is such a great thing that I don't think, she could live as long as me because I don't. It, it doesn't make sense. It's that it's the whole old metaphor of burning the candle at both ends kind of thing. It's that. That's what I guess. What I got from Charlie was that type of person who was just so brilliant in his in the, the amount of light that he gave off and shown on to shown on to other people and his his music that. Um, all I can all I can tell myself is that something like that can't be around forever just because it's just it's too much. It's like it's some people are just too much for this world, I think. And uh that's the only way I I have to make sense of something as tragic as a um young brilliant person taking their own life because it's just huh, yeah. Shit's shit's fucked up. Shit's fucked up as hell. There's no making sense of it at all. But that's the best I can make sense of it personally. That's, at least that's what I tell myself, and how I'm able to um, move move forward and past and feel it. The other thing about Charlie that I want to say is that, and you'll hear in this interview, hear my very very uh, this is my early interview skills here. I think I got a lot better at this. I was listening to it. I'm like, man, I definitely. Um, I hope I'm better than I was in this interview, but I think as a lot of it, I was definitely a little bit uh, nervous to talk to him because because to me he was a a big figure because I l- liked his music so much. So 
what I got from him that I feel like I get from very few people I've ever met is that there's sort of this, he, he remade himself. His real name wasn't Charlie Magira. That was a name he created. We talked about that in the podcast like right away. Uh, he decided to be this certain thing he wanted to be, and he just was that. And it wasn't anything, there was no hesitation, there was no dishonesty. I mean, there's that old, that old stupid idea, we all, we all wear masks, right? We all wear masks. <laughs> and we do, to an extent. And some people who are, uh, I think, are pretty fucking genius, people just decide, oh, this is the mask I want to wear, and this mask is me, so I'm just going to go all in. It's like if I play a character, it's weird for me because as an actor, there's this thing where you kind of have inherent um, dislike of yourself. Not dislike, it's just, it's not your favorite place to be. Like, my favorite place to be is inside of a character because it feels so good to be, to live inside this this sort of uh the skin that has all the answers that knows exactly what it wants because it's 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 a character it's not a real thing and so when i'm me i'm like i don't know if i want that because i have to think about this and this and that and that but if i'm doing a character then i know exactly and i feel confident about it there's no hesitation and i feel like charlie magira that's the name he adopted he became he he became this character this person this musician and it course through his entire life and everything about him was this sort of cryptic um, psychonautic hippie Israeli sound hippie like guitar guitar bohemian sort of it's all these things mixed into one that's the other thing about, about him he just he mixed all these things together that are just uh, it's just fucking so futuristic he takes all this classic 50s Americana through rockabilly and an R&B and mixes it with this with the the incredibly pro- pro- progressive sounds of no wave from New York in the 80s and all this stuff with home recording and all this DIY aesthetic and everything just blended together in this really cool co- it's fucking cosmic man it's like super fucking cosmic all of his recordings i mean if they don't sound like the best no wave rockabilly song they sound like this and like if you heard this on the fucking radio and you didn't know what it was, you would just be, I would be awestruck. I would just be awestruck by what the fuck is this? This is so cool. It's so rarefied and unique to be hearing this incredible pastiche of sounds that are just so fucking cool, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm just going overboard here because that's, that's really how I, how I feel about his work and everything. So that's what I want this to be is a celebration of this guy who, who lived so uh, purely through his music, who he was, and uh, he's such a fucking weirdo too. <laughs> I love that shit. He was such a fucking fucking cryptic weirdo in the in our conversation and everything that I just I don't know, I can't I can't get enough. He's such a great guy. So um, that's what I had to listen to. Now we're gonna hear another song real quick of his from the same album. And uh, I'm going to play the full interview from that episode of the podcast with Charlie Magira and his band at that time, who I, I name everybody there. And um, also, I want to please remind you to check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash live to tape. And I'm going to be doing a special Charlie McGeera mix on there that's available for people who uh, donate at a certain level. And as always, the podcast is going to be available on there for a certain level, ad-free. 
And uh, also be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I know I say it all the goddamn time, whatever. I just it's like a I just it's a reflex at this point. And uh the email of the podcast is live to tape podcast at gmail dot com. L I V E T O T A P E P O D C A S T at Gmail dot com. It's Merry Christmas. It's Merry Christmas. I'm with uh, Charlie Magira. That's how you say your name, right? No. No? <laughs> how would you prefer I say the, say the name? Yeah. We have to you speak into the mic, though. Oh, <laughs> so it's not my real name. It's n- right. Uh, that's what I figured. Yeah. But what is your real name? Or do, you, you even just, do you say your real name or not at all? You don't have to. Yeah, I do. Gabriel. Gabriel Abutraham. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Understand. I don't know what that. I've never heard that name before. But it's like Gabby. Gabby. Okay. Yeah, but like the angel Gabby. And how did you? How did you? Uh, <laughs> how did you choose the name Charlie? Well, it came out from this movie, Apocalypse Now, right? Apocalypse Charlie, now. Don't, Charlie, don't yeah. Charlie don't serve. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's his name. That's um. God, I can't think of his name right now. The actor. Very famous actor. Charlie Don't yeah. Surf. It's all fucking beach Dude. break around here. Yes. Yeah. So did you like that movie a lot? Yeah. Um, and the name. Is, the name is good. How about Magira? Magira, it's my... That's your given name? No, it's my mother. Okay. Maiden name. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Like it just, you know, it's just there. It's ready for you. Yes. And so, yes. what is the current incarnation of the band called? Incarnation. The name, like, because you've had a couple different bands. Like yes. right now, right now you're in the United States, <laughs> and you're touring. Uh, you're touring around for a while, and y'all are in the band. Can you introduce yes. yourselves? <laughs> I'm Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello. 
I'm Alexa. Alexa. And what do you what do you guys play? What I, instruments? I play bass. Play bass. And drums. And how did you guys become to to work with uh, Charlie? How'd that happen? We got asked by Aaron to put the, put the tour together. Aaron Yarkin, who runs the Guitars and Bongos label out of Oakland, which you put out the uh, Charlie McGuire and Love Police record on, right? Yeah. So is this a Love, is this a Love Police band or no? Is this no. like a new incarnation of the band? Quite. Uh, the, the Russian folkman that died and came back to life as strange radioactive creatures. So that's what it's called. It's called the the what you just said. <laughs> yeah, that's the name you're touring under right now. Right. You have to repeat it back to me. The, the Russian, Russian frogman. The Russian frogman. Right. That died and came back to life. So Charlie, strange looking radioactive creatures. Charlie Magira. And the Russian frogman that died and came back to life as strange-looking radioactive creatures. Right, that's right. Yes. I don't think that, I don't think that's true, but I like it. <laughs> that, that doesn't seem like it would fit on a uh, fit on anything at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've been in, how long have you been in the United States for now at this point? About a week. About a week. Yeah, a week. And so, and how how long have you guys been playing together? For about a couple a week. of hours. About a week. Okay. So this is all very new. Yeah. And so you, how do you, how do how do you and Charlie know each other? On the stairs. Okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, just for, uh, from Israel. From Israel. So yeah. you guys grew up together in Israel? No, no. But uh, when I moved back there, I'm from there. But when I moved okay. back there, uh, I heard about his music and met him and saw him play. Yeah. So were you born in Israel? Yeah. You were born in Israel and you moved to the United States at some point? Uh, yeah. And uh, then you moved back to Israel when you moved back. How yeah. old were you when you moved back? How old? Yeah. Uh, it was... Uh, 2003? What? Uh, uh, 33. Okay, and that's when you and Charlie kind of became friends and you heard about his music? Yeah. And so how did that work out? When you, when you found out about... When you were living in the United States, you were living in Oakland? Uh, o- Oakland, before that, Alameda. Okay, so like all places. like California. Yeah. And then, had you had you known about his music before you uh, moved back to Israel? Yeah, yeah. I okay. Heard it on the radio. So you've been bit. in touch and like you've been like you were like a fan and so, or sort of or just uh, interesting. No, I, I knew a little bit. I heard a little bit, but then got I became a b- bigger fan when I got his uh, two like CDs that he sold at, sh- at the okay. show that I saw and you know that shit. Right. Which, and what's the what's the first thing you heard? The first music you heard of his? Well, I don't remember exactly on the radio. Probably mm-hmm. one from one of his first two albums, the Automatic Mister Zinger Mambo Chic or Rock and Roll Fragments. Okay. Yeah, I had the Rock and Roll Fragments. That one's still available, right? Isn't it? At least in some some extent, like on yeah, digitally. digitally. Yeah. And sometimes, well, yeah, I don't know. It was released on a CD in Israel officially, right. and some CDs later, a few different. Yeah. What about the rest of the band? Had you been listening to Charlie's music before, before um, you guys met up together to play, to play in this part of this tour? Yeah, I uh, I met Charlie in Berlin last year. Okay, where I saw a show. So I, I had been listening since then. What's up with Berlin? Why is everyone going there? Is it really cool? <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. been. Yeah, it's very relaxed and 
normal. Okay. It's sane. It's it's a bit. Yeah, at first you feel like it's like a geek town or something. It's like a geek town. Yeah. So it's it's like the Williamsburg of Europe or something like that. So it seems like that to some it's extent. Geeky in a way. It seems very square. But yeah, it's so a lot it's the opposite. It's a lot less. Uh, people don't work much. Okay, in There's, Berlin they don't. Yeah, things don't cost very much money, so people don't work really? much. So people have a lot of free time. Yeah. Right. So it's like because there's a, there's a big like nightlife scene there, like a huge yeah, like with a lot of music, like dance music and rock music and everything, right? So it's yeah, it's like a great place to play and live and perform, huh? Yeah, it's really encouraging environment for artists. So how long were you there for? And also for families. Kids, he got nice parks everywhere. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I would like to go there. You, have you guys ever listened to that band, The Monks? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you big fans of them? I like them. I can say I am. Yeah. Yeah, I like them a lot. Like one of my favorite bands ever, and I feel like I hear a lot of that. In your music, in terms of like, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's like a there's like a taste of it, and I feel like that's like there's some sort of German influence there, right? Because that's yeah, even though they're all a bunch of Americans, they were playing music in in uh, in Europe. Yeah, that's a lot of like rock and roll people went through Germany at mm -hmm. some point. What about animals? Yeah, the animals are also in the parks. There's like, yeah, the kids can can go and like, I don't know, uh, stroke some animals. Pet an animal. What kind of animals? Bears. You yeah, bears. No, they do have like, bears and like nice animals. Camels. You can see the camels in snow. You know. Uh -huh. And llamas, and llamas, donkeys, nice salmon, chickens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> chickens are good. Yeah, like yeah, nice chickens from all around the world. Do you have a favorite animal? <laughs> 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 nice, nice chickens from all around the world. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about chickens is they're just, yeah, they really do, like, represent, like, a lot of different... Uh, they really like to eat uh, chickens in Berlin. They do? Yeah. It's a big chicken place? Yeah. It's, like, the mecca of the chicken... The mecca of chickens? Of real chicken, yeah. Is that like, true? Schnitzel, yeah. Schnitzel. Yeah. Isn't schnitzel, yeah. like, uh, when you, what is schnitzel? It's, like, a flattened chicken breast. Is it really? Breaded, yeah. Oh, I thought schnitzel was, like, when you have, like, a, I don't know... Pasta and some, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I thought schnitzel was something like a, like a like a casserole kind of thing. It's that's, not. That's a uh, ketzel. Spetzel. Spetzel. Special is different than schnitzel. Schnitzel. Do you speak German? Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch. That means you speak a little German, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like how I, I say the same thing with uh, Italian, but mm. it's like if you say you speak a little of some language, 
that's the little that you speak is the right. ability to say that you speak a little right. like, like parlo poco italiano that's pretty much yeah. all I can say in Italian je ne parle pas français je parle français un hein? petit peu meilleur que uh, <laughs> que italien I don't know how to say Italian and French Jesus Christ I forgot but um yeah uh, you speak French as well no but I can understand some my mother speaks French yeah. she does yeah is your mother French She's from Morocco. She was born in uh, Casablanca. 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 Is that a, that's in was that Morocco? Yeah. Yeah. So that makes them. If you're born in Casablanca, it makes you like instantly incredibly international. Yeah, she went to a school like a French school. Okay. Uh, so. So she learned French, right? And English and. English, I don't believe. Like Arab. No, she speak English. Arabic. Man. Man that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> did that, like, influence you growing up at all? Like, hearing, hearing your French or anything like that? Like, what did you, what did you grow up, growing up listening to as far as music goes? Yeah, a lot of Moroccan music. A lot of American uh, music? Moroccan, Moroccan. Moroccan music, okay, yeah. Yeah, that stuff is great. The North yeah. African stuff is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, in every, like, wedding or any celebration, or just, Going, doing like mangal or, you know. What is that? Mangal? Like mangal. It's like barbecue. Okay. Is it Moroccan barbecue? Yes. It's called manga? Mangal. Lal. Okay. Oh, I, think, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things I just don't know about that because it's like, it doesn't really, there's no translation probably, I'm sure. Um, or there is, and you just said it, it's barbecue. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's no... What? Everything on the fire, yeah. Right. Okay. It's just the same. Yeah, it's about... Right. I see. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's an event. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just the... Well, that's what we say here in America. It's bar, you have, you're having a barbecue, which yeah, means it's exactly. not... You're, you're cooking the food and you're hanging out... And, uh, right, yeah, listening to blasting, yeah. Blasting. Moroccan tabukas. What's well, like an example? Maybe we should, like, we'll pause and I'll play. Can you give me, like, a song we should play, like a Moroccan song? Yeah. That'd be good to like play in the podcast? Salim, Salim Halali. Okay. Um, any any song of Salim, but maybe. Waili, Waili, Habibi Diali, Fain Huwa. Okay, what, what's going to happen is... I don't know how to... No, it's okay. It, well, yes. well, well, I'll have Halali. you write it down for me, and I'll find yeah. it, and then I'll insert it right about now.
and we'll have we just listened to that that yeah. was great so this will be a post this is obviously a post effect there's no like this podcast is there's no um there's no there's no uh what do you call it uh everything's in the open so yeah. they there's no there's no conceit <laughs> right. as far as like hiding or trying to make it sound like there's a any production going yeah. on so um so we just listened to that great moroccan song that's great right well as far as like american music though because your your music's obviously like it's very to me it sounds very influenced by a lot of american bands How, what what got you into that stuff I think my father got had some records. Okay. Yeah. He had, you know, Elvis. Elvis. The popular stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like Badioli or Uchi Valance. And then a lot of black music, like uh, funk, James Brown. Mm-hmm. Like much stuff, I think. Temptations. Santana. This was like, and like your European music, like mm-hmm. Nino Ferrer, uh, Serge Gainsbourg. Serge. So oh. you, you grew up hearing all that stuff. Right. But like when I listen to, uh, like, I guess when I think about the Love Police record. Right. Um, that one, to me, it sounds very like, uh, there's like so many different fragments of sounds in there. Like there's one song will sound like some sort of rockabilly kind of thing, and some of it's really, really like slowly, really slow and very um, very affected and stuff like that. So I mean, that doesn't seem like that's pretty unique to your sound. Is that something where it's just like you, you like to um, just experiment with the, uh, with like the the idea of. I don't know, there's something about, like, there's like Americana in there, but it's like this really psychedelic version of Americana, almost like dreamy or distorted in a weird way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really do love this process, like, of the the printing or recording. You, like, you enjoy recording a lot? Yes, especially on tape. Uh, So... Yeah, when I get into it or record something, so sometimes I I, I lose myself. It's awful. Yeah, I forget the the work for some time. So, how much time did you spend recording that album? Love Police. Yeah. It was really quick. It was pretty quick. Yes. It's, it's not so complicated. <laughs> were you? Everyone, were you involved in the recording? You just re- you released it on the label. Yeah. So, so is that something that you that you um, recorded on tape? Yes. So that's all like what quarter inch tape or something or. The Love Police was on a half an inch, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's that's big. Eight track. Yeah. Do you think do you think there's a there's like a revival? I mean, you guys can probably speak to this too, but it seems to be from the few people I know who were involved in music and recording, it seems to be a lot of people are moving back towards recording on tape uh, as opposed to, like, digitally. Yeah, I think we both do. Yeah, yeah, we both do. So what do you like about that so much? It's just, it's more, like, physical, Mm -hmm. like, just you do it and it's simple and it's right there and then, I don't know, it's just less complicated and it's more real. It's much more 
of a challenge to go back and correct mistakes. So you either like keep doing it until you get a take that you really like all the mm-hmm. way through, or you, uh, yeah, or you just you know leave the mistakes in there. And both are kind of a cool way that you know it's just the process affected by the the way you're doing it. You know? Right. Well, for for me, it was like an uh, economic uh, <laughs> um, solution. Cheaper. Yeah, back then it was a lot of a lot cheaper, and you get to record it your your apartment or space or whatever. Yeah. So it was, it it was cheaper than doing it. What, what what would be the other way you'd be recording if you didn't use that? I know, going to a studio or something. Okay. Like renting a space, mm-hmm. using other people's equipment, like paying a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. Well, it matches the, your situation. It's very, really nice. It makes everything more harmonious. In tune with your situation, because you can be, you can take it where you are. Private, yeah, and intimate, right. in a way. Because, yeah, you do it in your own space with your own money. So it's all balanced, really nice. Right. It's getting better, and you get to magnetize metal powder. You know. Yeah. You get to magnetize metal powder. Yeah. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what you're doing, right? When you're recording, I guess you're magnetizing metal powder. That's, that's yeah. all. I didn't think about yeah, that. Man. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you guys think about drugs? What the fuck? In general. Drugs. Drugs. I mean, I guess without self-incriminating, this is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> We're discussing this in terms of... <laughs> yeah, drugs are, are not some? safe. They're available. Yeah, um, definitely. As far as, like, uh, Berlin, what it, do people... Is there a lot of drug use that goes on in the rock and roll scene there? Or is it not I really... Think, yeah, it's pretty much the same as here. Yeah. So people smoke a lot of weed... Yeah, a lot of weed and all the other stuff. Drink a lot. Drink a lot, yeah. It's, it's really cheap out there also. The alcohol, the beer. Yeah. Occasionally uh, using psychedelic enhancements. Right. Um, yeah, they're all drugged out. They, they, they're all drugged out? Right, yeah. Right? <laughs> this is the, the correct way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, scene. who's drugged out? Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone's faded. Right. Everybody's on something. Some people aren't. Yeah. But to, you can't trust. To them. be sober is also like a nice trip. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it can be good. That's a. What, the fuck? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? That's a, head- <laughs> That's a headless Elvis doll that you just right. produced from your pocket. Yeah. Is that like a... What is that about? Well, I just have it. You just have it? Yeah. It's a conversation piece? I just carry it around. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason. It looks nice. It looks good. Yeah. Where'd you get it? Even without the head, you can say it's Elvis, right? 
Well, yeah. I mean, Elvis has got that that look. He's got I wonder that... to uh, if I continue to lose things. Mm-hmm. What would be the point to stop recognizing? <laughs> yeah. So we you're saying at what point will we? If he keeps losing things, at what point would we? He stop being recognizable as Elvis. I think maybe his upper torso would yeah. probably be the thing. Definitely. But you never know, actually. You know, there's a lot of pretty big Elvis fans out there who could recognize yeah. anything out of Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> Just the tip of the Oh, that's Elvis' boot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever think he'll die in a plane crash? Yeah. Do you think it'll happen or no? I won't. You don't think he will? Okay. I don't think that's... Like, I think anything's possible, right? But you don't have like any sort of like th- like thoughts. Like I think you know some people think like, oh, I'm, I'm probably gonna die at fifty, or like I think I'll have <laughs> a wife on this boat. Some people think certain things will happen, and if you're like a musician, there's a pretty grand tradition of dying in plane crashes. You know? Yeah. I just wonder uh, if you like think about that at all. Yeah, one must think about his death. Yeah. Face the wall of death. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a nice picture. So it can be a nice picture? Yeah. Just to reflect on this moment of being stabbed by somebody. Have you been stabbed? Um... Maybe. Maybe. You don't remember, Maybe huh? Maybe I was. <laughs> Just, no, stop, no. But uh, I was... Yeah, I got into some fights when I was... Like, like a youngster? Younger, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Cookie? Uh, let's take, we'll do a quick break here and we'll come back with some tea. Okay. get awkward again <laughs> yeah um, what do you think about California marijuana because it's like a different yeah, thing isn't it yeah it's really nice it's, uh, it's not the same as yeah, the place else it keeps you sharp or something sharp no yeah because we have the yeah. we have the different strains that are like laser focused for your needs <laughs> yeah. what do you need to be today good job <laughs> good job <laughs> oh. I, have you have you been up in that part of California yet? The part From that's the, yeah. Never have. 
It's pretty interesting. It's pretty fun to go up there because it's like, it's hard to believe that it really is. It's like this crazy industry, and it's, uh, it drives everything. The whole economy, everything you see is like related to weed up there. Even in Oakland, we have the. Have you ever heard of Oaksterdam? I haven't. It's no. like a weed business college. <laughs> really? It's in downtown. Oh, it's like Oaksterdam. Yeah, they have like from like edible classes to like managing like a dispensary Jeez. and like all these different classes and growing like. That would be a great TV show, yeah. like a great... Like a reality TV show. Yeah, reality TV show or also just one of like a bunch of people who are like, yeah, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. I think it'll come to, it'll come to happen, I suppose, at some point. Yeah. Uh, so now, yeah, Ron and Charlie, you were both born in... Were you born in Israel? So you are born in Israel, so... Um, I was born in Bachan. Where's that? It's really close to the Jordan River. Jordan River, okay. Yes. So I don't know the. I've been to Elat. That's the one place I've been to in Israel. Nice. Is there, and that was, you know, that's like a resort town, basically. So it's not like the. Yeah. Like the, it's so like the Las Vegas of Israel. Is it really? Is that what it's considered? In a way. I believe it. Yeah, it seems like it's all nice and glitzy and everyone's on vacation and stuff. Minus Elvis and, you know. What's that? I say minus Elvis and all those. Oh, okay. Oh, how about you, Aaron? Oh, maybe we can, you, you want to use that, this mic here to talk about that for a second? Yeah, where, where were you born there? Uh, Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, okay. Yeah. That's like, that's the, that's the capital, right? No. It's not. <laughs> Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the capital. capital for some reason. No, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I flew into Tel Aviv and I was thinking that it was, that was the capital for some reason. Um, yeah, I just forgot everything I know about geography. <laughs> so, is, if you're, so if you're both Israeli citizens, does that mean you ha- at some point had to serve in the army? So how does that work? Because like I was thinking, because if everyone if everyone in Israel at one point serves in the army, there has to be like some sex sects like uh, area not sex, but there probably is a lot of fucking going on as well because yeah. it's male men and women. But is there like sort of there's got to be like you know a bunch of army hipsters and stuff. You know what I mean? Or like people who are there's like these divisions because if everyone's there, it's like high school where there's there's going to be divisions of people who get along because they're not everyone's a professional soldier. Even though you technically are. Yeah, everybody is a soldier in Israel. So Even a little kid, the wife, the, everybody. The lamps are soldiers. The lamps? Everything is a soldier. <laughs> so how does, that, how does that make you feel like being a part of that? Is it something that it was like awkward or was something just really natural because it was just it's something you knew was going to happen no matter what? Well... It's mandatory, right? Right, that's what I mean. So At it's the like, age of 18, you must uh, serve, like, for three years. Three years, you have to. But huh? I think it's getting a bit looser, right? Looser? Yeah. Looser. <laughs> <laughs> They're loosening up the uh, construction <laughs> right. service. You can skip that. If you don't want to do it, they, they will let you be, you know? Well, how does that work? How do you... How do you you just have to say that you, I don't know, saw the sun shine backwards and uh, <laughs> yesterday you you talked to a cat and he spat on a crow or something. So you have to you have to prove that you're uh, mentally unstable, that you're crazy. Well, in a way, if you don't want to serve the army, you are a bit of... Right. Yeah. If you don't get it, well, there is a problem with you so they are right everybody that doesn't want to kill in Israel is <laughs> ill they're crazy yeah yeah 
That's a good point. Actually, that would be, yeah. I'm sure that the army would like that. Yeah. So oh, you, don't, you don't want to kill them. You're fucking crazy. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Leave us alone. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Oh, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want you in our ranks. Is that? Did you like meet? Did you either of you meet any people when you were serving that you like are still in touch with or like? I just, I just, I don't have any clue what it's like. It just seems to me like such a strange thing because it's, it's the opposite of volunteer. So, well, you can do that also, volunteer, right? right? Like a national service. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> what? Yeah, cleaning, helping, something. Yeah. Singing. Also, there, there are groups in the army. Right. Okay. Like that's what I was getting. Like the bands of the each uh, each of the like the navy and the combat soldiers, and mm-hmm. the air force band. It's yeah, it's horrible. Did you play in the any music when you were in the army? No. So how how does that work? Is it like a full time thing when you when you're there? You're like there for three years straight, like full time. Like that's you can't do anything else. Yeah, I was I was. Like placed as a cook at first, <laughs> wow. I was refusing to carry the, the 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 weapon. Okay, I refused to. So the, you end up in like the military jail. For, oh, like, so you're like in the brig. Yeah, because you refused to carry a weapon. Right. So yeah, so I spent a couple of months there, but then they re. Restationed. Yeah, restationed. Okay. And then I end up as a working in the kitchen of the uh, military jail. Kitchen police. Yes. KP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like stripes. Yeah, I was yeah. like preparing food for like seven hundred, like stuff, mm-hmm. like one hundred of the stuff, and then all the bad soldiers. Yeah. So you how long you did that for a couple of years then? You three were, years. Three years you were in the kitchen. As a cook in the military, you get to spend one week at the base mm-hmm. and one week at home. Okay. So it's on like it's the most desirable uh, <laughs> thing amongst the uh, young people. Yeah, the ones that don't like feel with the. Uh, the passion to be Rumble, <laughs> you know? the passion to kill. Yeah, uh, to be a cook in the army is great. It sounds like it'd be. I could. I think as far as army duty goes, it'd be good. Yeah. Aron, did you? Where were you? Were you in the kitchen as well? Uh, no. No. <laughs> was, you didn't uh, luck out. I was a geek doing uh, computers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so you like were doing computer stuff in the army? So that means like you're. Like planting uh, viruses and things like that, maybe no, to uh, shut down. Uh, no, no, more more boring stuff. More bo- way more boring. I'm sure. Yeah, oh, everything that's that's made to be exciting is always way more boring in real life. Yeah, especially if it's anything that's like made to be exciting in movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. War games. No, that's what I mean. That's why it's interesting to me is that we don't have to. You can if you want. You guys can. Well, it's a major thing in Israel. It's like yeah, it's, it's a it's a thing. You have to do it. It's like you're growing up into it. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I signed up, and when you turn 18 here, I think if you're if you're a male, you have to sign up for a selective service, which is basically like this vestige of the draft. 
even though the draft has been abolished, you still have to register. And you have to register at 18. If you don't, it's like technically illegal, but I don't think anything could possibly happen to you. But what happens is, is they get your information and they'll call you and they'll try to like, you know, they want to like, they want you to join the army because they want you to volunteer. And I have, I have really serious health problems. I have like, I have colitis and I have my, had my entire large intestine removed years ago because of that. And, um, I remember them calling me up and then talking to me for like a few minutes on the phone. Like, yeah, you should really think about doing the army. It's really great. Uh, what's your name? Oh, cool. What are you mentioning and stuff? And I was like, and I think after some point in the conversation, I was like, um, yeah, I, I don't have a large intestine. He's like, oh, great. Cool. I'll talk to you later. Bye. It was like, it's almost instantly. It was like, no, thank you. We don't need you because you're not, you know, you're not healthy enough to be, to be a killer. So, yeah. So that was, I got out of that pretty fast. I mean, not, not like I was going to be in it, but just, they just, they just didn't care. They don't care about you if you're not, uh, healthy enough to, to man a machine gun in the desert. <laughs> Musical interlude. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess it is. It is. What else I'm going to ask is I have some other questions here. Are there some like uh, albums that you think have been like really influential for all of you as far as just um, in terms of music and like the recording of it as well? Like some, like, some specific albums? Um, well, there were so many, right? Like, yeah. mainly, but it's mainly songs that one song or not really albums or mm-hmm. like yeah, something that you hear one time in somewhere yeah. like what, is there any what songs or what songs mean a lot to you in terms of like influence or really fuck <laughs> nothing I really like Johnny Teardrop Johnny Teardrop? Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice recording. I don't think I know Johnny Teardrop. Is it the artist or the song? Ah, Frankie Teardrop. Frankie Teardrop. Right, Frankie sorry. Teardrop? Right. Yeah, it's like Frankie. Johnny Jewel. Oh. Yeah. Is, that the, is that the artist or the song name? It's a song on we all, Suicide's yeah. first album. Like, Su- who's that? Frankie. Suicide? Do you know those guys? Yeah, I don't listen to them really. Sorry, but. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I was thinking that album when we were talking about recording because, you know, like live recording stuff sounds pretty great but there's obviously a lot of effects on that record and that's absolutely seminal yeah. record you know? um, some of the and one of the, the Love Police record I'm pouring some tea out right now if anyone wants some tea it's probably over steeped and bitter as shit but it's still good <laughs> this is like a desert encampment here <laughs> you want any tea? you want any tea? you want tea? It's really good. Is it really? It's really bitter. A little bit astringent, but it's good. Yeah, you get I like strong. You get tweaked that way. Oh, yeah. I guess what, what I'm trying to say is uh, when when you when you do have like the the right opportunity to do it. Called something. It's, it depends on uh, y- your state. For me, it's for, like economical thing. Sure. If you have the enough energy to do it, 
you know, if you're working too hard or something, mm-hmm. and uh, in in a kitchen or something or serving coffee, and then you got to have some some crowd, maybe one person or one. A crowd. Yeah, and then it's it's supposed to get to him, you know. So you're talking about like in terms of playing for yourself and like when you have an audience it changes the right. way you play because it's it, it it energizes it yes yeah so even if you're recording you're you're sort of playing for like one or even just one person it yeah, energizes it at least one got it yeah so who do you who is like your listener when you're like recording that stuff you talk about recording at home yeah, who will be your who would your listener be like a I think in my first recordings that I I tried to do it was like I always thought of, about my mother or father. So they they actually so, there? Or you just say you're thinking about them, like you're playing yeah, for them. Like I thought about um, the moment that they will like press play on it uh-huh. and hear it. So in their home, you know. So in it would be like listenable for them. Okay. They won't have to put it off or something. Right. It would be um um you know you could listen to it without being um annoyed. Yeah. Annoyed by that. You're kind of dedicating someone. That makes sense cuz a lot of like writers cuz you obviously you can't write for everyone so you write maybe with a person in mind who are like this is a friend of mine. I'm writing this for them. Like, I guess there's a lot of famous books. Like, that's where they, someone would basically just wrote this for like, yeah, like Tolkien right. wrote that for his nephew, right? right he wrote right. Lord of the Rings for his nephew, but he kind of wrote it for a lot of other people too, I guess. So, yeah, you just write. You make. You so you make talking about making music for someone close to you. So it's personal, but yeah. it's it, it can reach a lot of other people because it's like a recorded product. Yes. Yeah, and from that, yeah, if you are like writing songs for the poor or something, and you like using like equipment that is like costing a lot of money, or <laughs> or if you like using, I don't know, like. Fancy microphones or stuff, or hiring like big studios to record for, and your audience is like 100 people. It's strange to do that. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, it has to match in a way. It's disproportionate to do it that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like. Proportion is a very important mm-hmm. element in this. Uh, I get it. Proportions. Um, we should tell people where they can see you perform. Yeah. So this will probably go up in the next couple of days, so it should be pretty soon to so people, people can find out about it. But you'll be at the Austin Psych Fest this weekend, right? Yeah. Throw it down, Iran. No, I don't know. I don't know shit. <laughs> I just know a little bit. Yeah. So this weekend is Austin Psych Fest, right? Yeah, Sunday at uh, 4.30 p.m. Got they're it. playing. Cool. And then what? Then uh, what's next after that? 
Uh, Monday in Austin, there's a show in a place called uh, The Grand. It's like a billiard place. Okay. Like, yeah, they have a lot of venues with, there. I don't even know. Yeah, but. they play with some cool, like, I don't know, maybe metal bands. <laughs> and then uh, Tuesday is El Paso at the Monarch Okay. with Greg Ashley. Got it. And Wednesday is at, in Albuquerque at, do you remember the name of the place? I don't know. Uh, but it's also with Greg Ashley. Okay. In Albuquerque. Who's Greg um, Ashley? Do I know him? I don't know. Is that a musician? Bay Area. Yeah. Bay Area. Well, Texas originally, right? Yeah, yeah. What is, is it? It was in the Grigri. It's G-R-I-S. G-R-I-S. Oh, it's like Dr. Dr. John affiliated? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it's not affiliated, but it's named. Right? It might okay. have been named after it. Or I'm not sure. Got it. So and it's sort of nearest. like Southern Astro Funk? No, it's no. like Psych Garage Got it. kind of stuff. Jangle. Rock and roll. Jangle oh. core. Not, not Jangle Core, <laughs> per se. But. I'm really into Jangle Core. I love Also, Jangle like, uh, Half Garage. Yeah. Half Garage is great. Half Garage, Jangle <laughs> Core. With a little bit of, like, you know, slack string uh, up-downers. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you refilter that and make it real plain, if you run it through an acoustic guitar, that's, like, a great thing. That's what I like a lot, so. What's after Albuquerque? Uh, Tucson. Tucson. Also with Greg Ashley and... I also don't remember the name of the place. Do you remember? We got the LA shows. We know where those are at. What is that? So what the ninth at the Moon Pad? The ninth of Boyle May. Heights with okay. Greg Ashley as well, and then got it. on the tenth of the Prospector. Got it. Like a couple local groups. Long That's Beach. in Long Beach. In Long Beach. God damn it! You know I'm in, I'm in I'm not in town on the ninth hour. Oh. But I'm on the tenth though. So I can, yeah, the show's gonna, gonna be Long great Beach. in Long Beach, and then. What, uh, maybe an in-store Lollipop Records around 4 uh, the okay. next day on the 11th. And then and what then happens? Ventura we're playing. Ventura, Ventura okay. Billy O's. Got it. And then what? Back to the Bay Area for yeah. a couple shows. A couple shows in like Oakland, San Francisco. Do, hopefully they'll do... Uh, KFJC. KFJC. It's a radio station. Okay. The best radio station. Got it. And then uh, Oakland show to be... The, TBD, like where exactly? Got it. And but then you guys makeout room in San Francisco. It's a great place. That's on the 14th, the last show of the tour. 14th of May. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff coming Early up show. here. Yeah. Are you worried at all about traveling to the Southwest, being called like queers or space weirdos or anything like that? Bring it on. That always worries me. I don't know why. I always like feel like I'm going to get like screamed at by some, some like redneck. He's going to run after me with a gun, call me a faggot or something like that. I don't know. But I don't think that really happens that much anymore. Let's hope not. Yeah, I don't think I've been. Yeah, you know what? You don't think about that at all. I'm not worried about that. No. Yeah, okay. You guys have been through. You guys have been through it. Been to Europe. <laughs> I've never been. Yeah, but at Oakland's, uh, it's pretty rough. If you can handle that. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? Anything you want to say to to just uh, send us send us off? Maybe into the microphone if you do. <laughs> Make no friendship with the elephant keeper okay. if you don't have a place to entertain an elephant. That's should good. be a very nice advice. Make no friendship with elephant keeper if you have no place to entertain an elephant. Right. I think I can understand that. Yeah, I mean... It, Makes sense. Yeah, I don't want to entertain an elephant. <laughs> it's difficult. 
Uh, I want to play like a song for the end. Uh, is there what, what uh, new track should I play off the tape? There's a bunch of tracks on it, right? It's a, or is it a is it one a big lot, song? Like twelve or twelve. Something. Okay, what should I play off it? I'll play one to uh, take uh, us Jack out. The yeah. Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Okay. The main speaker. The the, yeah, not the guy who not the Slayer or the kid. Oh, who are you talking about then? Not the. Well, the song's called Jack the Ripper, but yeah. you're talking. You're mentioning what? Is this a, like a lawn tool? No. No, it's a, it's a it's a uh, another Jack Ripper. Jack the Ripper. It's not the English one. Oh, well, who is this one then? He was like a male dancer. A male like, dancer? Yeah, Jack the Stripper. Oh, Jack the Stripper. Is this no, one? kidding. He was Jack the Ripper. See so the big old like like dick that plows the yes, earth. Yes, right. <laughs> Like an exotic male okay. black dancer. Jack the Ripper. How do you how do you know about him? It's, it's Link Ray. He wrote it. Oh, Link Ray. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cover. Okay, so Link Ray cover Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Um, we'll go out with that. Should we all just thanks. like make? Yeah, you know, let's make. A, should we make a sound together? Just like what kind of? Someone want to start a sound? <sighs> oh. Baby, baby, baby. <laughs> 